When last we left off, which was last week, we had just answered <clears throat> number 11, who was captain of Saul's army. So I want to pick up there with question number 12, right below it. Against what nation? Now, y'all remember where we are. This is 1 Samuel, and we're actually in chapter 14. This is, which lesson is this? This is lesson 4, King Saul. Just in case. Last week we had somebody who didn't know where we were, so I wanted to mention that. Okay. So... Question number 12, against what nation was Israel engaged in war during all of Saul's reign? The Philistines. The Philistines, right? Okay, so that is correct, the Philistines. And then, what did Saul do because of this? Or what did this cause Saul to do, maybe is a better way? He wanted a strong army, and so when he saw it, qualifications that he thought he should have, he would get him to be in his army. Right. So he needed a strong army. So when he saw guys that were, let's see, I think it says strong and valiant in my translation. Um, when he saw men who were like that, he took them for his army. He took their sons just as God foretold that he would do for his army. So with that, we've kind of ended the end of, we've kind of ended the end. We've come to the end of that little section. And to move forward, we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 through 23. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers, and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took a gag or a gog is the way I think of it, even though it's not an O, but he took the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless they utterly destroyed. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has, yeah, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. So then if we look at question number 13, what order was given to Saul through Samuel? Well, to destroy everything of the Amalekites, right? To just utterly destroy the Amalekites and everything they had, right? And it included children and everything. He was. That sounds really cruel to us. It sounds cruel, but there's, if you remember, there's, there's some history here, and there's some story to what the Amalekites were. Yeah, and you know they didn't. They wanted to stop idolatry. Right, and the. I know the world will say that, you know, this, this is an example of God being cruel and all that, but, but when you know everything, or when you know more of it at least, it, it makes more sense. But, um, and I, I actually have some notes about that, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, does anybody have anything else on that? Yes. It kind of goes along with uh, when God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. This is, this is what 
got done. Right. They were, they were being repaid for what they did. They, they were. This was a repayment for what they had done in the past. And, uh, I mean, let's see. Um, if you look at, well, well, again, I think that comes up here later. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. But yeah, it, it does. It reflects back to what they had done in the past, where, uh, like I think it mentions back in Deuteronomy, they were harassing the ones who were straggling behind, which would normally be the old, the sick, the the young. Yes. <laughs> Yep, it would. But he didn't kill him. I know. But here again, I mean, we're 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 getting into it already. Saul is just got his own ideas, and he's not following God correctly. And I really don't understand why. But there's a hint of it. Um, if you look back at what Samuel says to him, since we're on the subject, and this kind of just popped into my head. Um, verse 17, Samuel says, so when you were little in your own eyes, see, Saul is starting to think too much of himself. That's, that's the problem. Because he's referring back, you know, and saying, you know, you were the head of the tribes and the Lord anointed you king. But now maybe Saul is getting a little bit of an attitude, a little bit thinking too much of himself. It's just a thought. Because Samuel kind of hints at that kind of an attitude problem. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So question number 14, well, not even a question really, but describe Saul's disobedience, which we're kind of talking about already. He was just choosing not to follow the Lord, right? He was not following the commands that he was given. He was doing his own thing kind of, wasn't he? They brought back the king and, like Judy said, they also brought back a lot of spoils. They brought back a lot of livestock. Yes? We find out different times in the Bible that people do something wrong and God's an all-seeing God. He knows all. Mm -hmm. and people think, no, they don't know. You know, like David, Nathan told him, you know, he was a man. Right. Yeah, because God does now, see. You know, Saul is thinking the same thing. Oh, well, I'll get by with this. Nobody's going to see it. No. Maybe he is thinking that, but but God is all seeing and all knowing, so he's not going to get away with anything like that. And, uh, the thing is, you know, the scriptures say that your sins will find you out. Yes, yeah. And I have a funny story somebody told years ago. I think it was Connie Adams' second wife. She was at Medina one time. She told this story about a little girl. She was her and her siblings were out, and they were supposed to plant corn. But it was a real hot day, and his, her brother said, don't you think we ought to go to the lake and go jump in the water while I'm swimming? They said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What do we do with all this corn, you know? So there was a an old tree that had fallen down. It was like a, an old trunk there. So they took the corn and they hid it in there. You know what happens when you hide corn in a place like that? It's going to come up. So later on, the dad went by and he saw this corn coming up, and then he figured out what they did, and their sins found them out because they got a pattern for that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, your sin will find you out, definitely. It, that's the way it goes. That's the way it happens. So. Did Yeah, Dan? In, uh, verse 24 of chapter 15, uh, Saul said to Daniel, I have sinned, I have violated the Lord's command and your instruction. He says, I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. He's the king. That's right. That's his responsibility, right? I think he was trying to win a popularity contest, as you were saying. He's kind of puffed up on himself, thinking he's more than he is. Yeah, I know. I understand he says this. I'm not totally sure. I totally agree that he really believed that. But even so, that's just an excuse. He is the king. So in, at the end of the day, he's responsible, right? That's the way it goes. That's the way it works. Even though he's king, though, he answers to God. Right. But I mean, yeah, he, he answers to God. I just meant that this was his responsibility to do what God had said. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely he does answer to God. All right, so 15, number 15, considering verse 13, which if we look back at verse 13, this is where um, Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Okay, so do you think it is possible for a person to convince himself that he, is, he has obeyed God's commandments when in fact... There is evidence of disobedience. Do you think some people actually think they're doing God what God wants, even when they're possibly not? I mean, that's the basic question, right? Well, his excuse for this, what was, was they were going to uh, sacrifice the sheep and cow, whatever, for the Lord. Now, that was his first excuse, right? That's his first excuse, yeah. And then later he gives that other excuse, but that, that's his first excuse. Right. He says, oh, but we were doing that to sacrifice that to the Lord. Now, that was not what he was told to do, though. Again. Right. He was told to utterly destroy, right? So, but... But is it possible? I think I think it is possible that some people actually believe they're doing right when they're not. Now, I don't necessarily believe that Saul was in that category, but he kind of wants to blame the people too. Well, I know, I know he has two excuses that involve the people. One is, well, they they took all that stuff to make sacrifice, and then he says, "Oh, I, I we did that because I was scared of them." So it's like. What's the truth then? Which is it, or is it both, or what? I don't know. So back in the Garden of Eden, you know, Adam said, "Well, the woman, you know, told me." Don't we always? We always point the finger at someone. It's like, no, it's their fault. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Or if I did do it, it's still their fault. I didn't, you know. Yeah, that's the problem. We should be going. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's true. We should be doing that. Um, okay, so. And then it says, now this is based on how you believe, if you believe, what, how you believe about what Saul has said here. But how would you explain Saul's view of obedience based on, I guess, based on this? We used to have a phrase, I'll just tell you. We used to have a phrase, um, good enough for government work. You know what I mean? 
And if you've heard any phrase like that, you know what I mean. Sorry, I, I used to, I was in the military and then I worked for the government for a while. Anyway, so we had all kinds of little dumb sayings like that, right? People just would make any excuse to not do what they were supposed to do and do the whole job and do it correctly and do it right. So you see, my point was that I think that's the way Saul was looking at it. Well, I'll do as much of it as I want, and then I'm going to do the rest of this. You know, I'll do as much as I want to God's way, and then the rest of it I'm going to do my way. That's what I was getting at. Roundabout. <laughs> so that's the way it seems to me. So number 16... What important lesson does Samuel teach about what pleases God? It's better to obey than sacrifice because he wanted to sacrifice those animals to God because he was not obeying himself. That's right. He says, he basically compares, um, you know, uh, burnt offerings and sacrifices to obeying the obeying God and says that obeying God is more important. Has the, um, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And then he also backs that up with behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed, and heed means to listen, to pay attention to, right? To really pay attention uh, than the fat of rams. So that's really what God wants. Yes? It makes me think of the book of Malachi, the first part where they uh, they did the offerings, but the offerings were uh, malnourished, uh, damaged animals. They were not perfect like they were supposed to be. Right. They were offering it, but they were not doing it the right way. Right. They were doing offerings, but they were just bringing in the scrubs, the worst things they could find to, yeah, or the the weakest or the worst, not healthy animals. Yeah. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. All right, number 17. Now, list expressions from verse 23, which they tell us there, uh, which show what is involved in disobedience. That's kind of awkward, but um, list expressions that show what's involved in this disobedience of Saul's. Well, if you look in verse 23, what's the very first thing that he mentions there? Rebellion. That's right. So rebellion. He's rebelling against God, not wanting to follow what God has said, right? And he says that as the sin of witchcraft, which I, I, always, I always have to kind of check what they mean by witchcraft because you never know. And in this case, they meant divination. The practice of seeking knowledge, um, and this says of the future or the unknown, by supernatural means. So I think the way they intend that is that he's looking elsewhere for his knowledge and his, you know, in his decision making. His knowledge and his, you might say, wisdom. And then further down, it lists... Stubbornness, right? And that's like arrogance and presumption. 
And that's, they compare that to, um, as to, let's see, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Yeah, iniquity is sin, and idolatry, I think in this case, it means the idolatry of self. You're stubbornly sticking to your way. I want what I want, you know, and we do see that. We, we, we do that. And then, let's see. I think that basically covers everything. The, uh, yeah. So, Basically, he's looking in all the wrong places for guidance because he's looking within himself. And that's, we know that looking within ourselves for guidance is the wrong place, you know. So, let's see. Does anybody have anything else on that? Then we'll move on to the next. First uh, Samuel chapter 15, verses 24 through 35. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also, the strength of Israel will not lie or relent. And this is, of course, referring to God, who is the strength of Israel. For he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, and this is Saul again, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring King Agag, king of Amalites, here to me, so Agag came to him cautiously, and Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Agag was thinking that he was going to be spared because Saul had spared him. I, that's my opinion of that, and I'm just going to, I mean, that's what I believe he's getting at there from looking at some different things. He thinks he's going to be spared. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked a gag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Again, this sounds pretty rough, um, but if you look up some of the history with a gag, his life had been spent in freebooting expeditions in which he had shed blood ruthlessly and so justice required his execution because of his deeds. Now, also from the words that Samuel says here, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless, just meaning that he would kill him. It's very evident that Agag carried on his wars and did things with great cruelty. And you can look at Deuteronomy 
chapter 25, 17 through 19, where it mentions what we were talking about earlier, the Amalekites would come behind and harass them. It's referred to as the tail or the, the straggling part of the children of Israel as they passed through um, and they would, they would raid them and attack them. And they were, the Amalekites were kind of a nomadic raiders that uh, were in that area down, uh, actually, I had a map, and I apologize, I forgot about this. Okay. This kind of shows when uh, Saul fought the Amalekites, this is when they're talking about out to the area of Shur, and this is down to that Havilah area, where he, he fights them all through this area. And it's, it's to push them down and out of Israel's territory. He never actually utterly destroys them, though. But anyway, so uh, let's continue on. Verse 34, Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So if we look at question number 18, what was the consequence of Saul's disobedience? Right. God rejected him and basically said, you're fired. I mean, that was, that was the intent. You're, he's taking the kingdom away from him. God rejected him, right. I know, and that's that's sad too. And you notice when he was talking to Samuel back a few verses back, he said that I may worship the Lord your God. He, I, I feel like he felt totally disconnected for some reason, because I would still think God would have been his God. But maybe I'm reading too much into the words, but that's what it says. So that makes me think that he was feeling disconnected from God. So, 19 is a little different, and this is this condemnation of Saul only a repetition of what we read before in chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, or is something new added? And in 13, 14, uh, the 13th and 14th verse of chapter 13, it goes, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So, 
what they're really looking for is what's the difference between what had happened and what he was told before and what Saul told, I mean, what Samuel told him now. He didn't learn from his mistake. Well, he didn't learn from his mistake. That's true. That's true. He did not learn from his mistake. But here, as, as Dan was saying a minute ago, he has been rejected as king, right? He's been rejected from God or from being king. He's been rejected from God for being king. Not just his kingdom will not last. Whereas previously he's told your kingdom won't last, but that didn't mean he was out of a job or pushed out. Now he's being told that he will, he will not be king. Yes. Well, like in the secular world, um, sometimes our lawyer will give us a pink slip for making a mistake. Well, he, this was the second one. I, I've, I mean, I've been let go from jobs due to no fault of my own even, but nonetheless, I mean, that's, I guess that's why I equate it like that. I'm thinking, well, he's basically being fired. You know, because you know, that's how I think of things. But uh, And that is essentially it. He is being replaced. It does take some time. <laughs> does anyone have anything else on that? Then if we look at 20, we might as well finish up this last question here. Um, was Saul's confession genuine and serious? What do you think? Right. Realizing his mistake, he would have moved to correct it, right? Yeah. That makes good sense to me. Yep. He could have, right the very start, offered, offered uh, his repentance to God instead of making excuses. Right. Later on, David sins, and when he is confronted by, by Nathan the prophet, he, he admits freely and, and asks for Right. Saul didn't seem to repent, try to correct his errors, and then and then he didn't seem he was really just making excuses. I mean, twice he's blaming the people just in different ways. He's making excuses for what? For not doing what the Lord has said, really. It's kind of like a little boy getting his hand caught in a cookie jar. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I didn't eat any cookies, no. Yeah, like a little kid in a cookie jar. No, I didn't do that. But, of course, his thing was he was telling Samuel at first, yes, I did everything like I was supposed to, which was not correct. So... We're out of time for this evening. I want to thank you all for your time and attention.